Have you ever wanted to start an e-commerce business through Amazon or Walmart and just don't know how to begin? Do you think it might be too hard or too stressful? Well, I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't have to be that way. My guest today is Will Basta, and he is the founder of Ascend. They help clients, people just like you, launch, operate, and scale profitable e-commerce businesses through Amazon and Walmart. And the beautiful thing is, you don't really have to even do any work, and you're going to make money. Does that sound good? Well, then you're not going to want to miss this episode of the Amplify Prosperity Podcast. Let's get to the interview. Well, I tell you what, I'm excited for this conversation because as we record this, we've got an economy crashing. We've experienced now a crypto crash. We've got gas that's through the roof. You name it right now. We feel it's in this perfect storm of things that are going on for people. Yep. And you offer something that's that's very interesting. And we're going to talk a bit about your story and what you do. But just so people know going into this, you're going to want to watch this program because multiple streams of income, ways to make money, passive ways to make money at a time when you need this more than anything. Okay, folks. Yep. So right now, if you're financially struggling, if you are really stressed out when you're putting that gas tank to full, this is an episode that you want to watch for sure. So Let's talk a little bit about what you do. We're talking e-commerce today, things like Amazon, right? We all purchase things through Amazon. I feel like half the planet has an Amazon <laughs> Prime membership, but people don't really understand how that works. Now, I'm currently in Indianapolis, Indiana. We've got Amazon warehouses all over, so people kind of think that they go on, they order, and it's this magical thing that just happens that gets it to you within yeah. 24 hours, but you actually help people become part of that process, generate revenue and profit from it. So tell me a little bit about your company, Ascendecom, and what that offers. And then we'll get into your story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that the e-commerce industry in general is, you know, it's it's a massive industry. And, and like you said, there's Amazon, just to speak to one of the major marketplaces out there, the most, the largest one we have and everyone is most familiar with is Amazon. And we see those prime trucks driving all over everyone's neighborhood. We see those warehouses place everywhere. And the first assumption is, is, Hey, you know, that's probably Amazon products that are actually coming out of those trucks and getting delivered. But what people don't realize is that those products in those trucks are actually a lot of times owned by third party sellers. Um, and so the process of getting that there and making it a profitable product is sort of where we come in. So we, we look at ourselves as an investment management company in the e-commerce space uh, that's sort of comprised of a logistics company um, handling everything in our facility with products and a wholesale distributor that sources products. So we essentially, our clients are people that are looking for passive income or looking for a way to diversify their passive income investments outside of your traditional real estate, which is a tough one right now, especially, um, and your stock market, et cetera. They invest with us and we leverage our infrastructure, our team, our skills, our years of experience in this industry. And we build them out either an Amazon prime business for them online or a Walmart, which is an emerging marketplace I can discuss a little bit later, uh, business online. And we operate and run the entire thing for them. They just supply the capital. Uh, then the profits made from that business, we take a percentage of that. And that's sort of our, our incentive to grow the business as well. But essentially, it's a digital asset. You know, we're in a world right now where we, we like to call Amazon specifically businesses as digital real estate in its own sense in e-commerce, because you actually are getting an appreciating asset that's 
that's growing in value over time if you build it out the right way. So our company handles all that A to Z for investors uh, from implementation all the way to running the business for, for years on end and making it lucrative and, and passive income yielding. So let me clarify a few things. So first off, you're an American company. You are headquartered in Los Angeles. Yep. Yes. And if anybody was to invest in this, they're, they're not carrying inventory. They're not dealing with the headaches of putting things in packages and mailing them off. Correct? Correct. Yeah. So this is, like I said, you would just be as an investor, you are really, you own the business outright, but we handle all the dirty work. So we source the products. We send them to our warehouse. We prepare the products in our logistics space, which again, we're very transparent. So we want our clients, we want to know it's an open door policy at all our facilities. So you can come and see the nuts and bolts of the operation at our warehouses in Dallas and come see your progress going in and out. And then we either send them directly to the end customer or we send them to an Amazon warehouse from there. And Amazon's got their own algorithm and their own programs where they'll essentially distribute it out to an Amazon FBA fulfilled by Amazon warehouse across the United States to then be a two-day shipping product that you would get with an Amazon Prime membership. They repackage it in their boxing, um, and then it comes in an Amazon package. At the end of the day, it's actually owned by you, and they pay you out as a margin bi-weekly from there, obviously with a margin because we only source products that will get you that 15 to 30% margin on average. And Amazon takes their little cut, obviously. But it's, it's interesting because I think the last statistic I read is about 50, between 55 to 60% of Amazon's actual revenue annually comes from third-party sellers. Yes, they have Amazon basic products and stuff like that. And I can dive deeper into how that happens and how they pull data and leverage it themselves because they are a behemoth. But at the end of the day, the majority of the revenue is coming from third-party sellers and the products that our clients and people like our clients sell on the platform. Okay. So let's get this out of the way first, just because when people hear the word investment, they get a little bit Leary. So, so yeah. a small time entrepreneur that's struggling, that's working to make it a person, maybe that just lost their job, or maybe they're trying to supplement mm -hmm. their job or you real estate agents and mortgage brokers right now, you're getting ready to hit a very tough market. And maybe yeah. you want to supplement some income, why things get a little bit choppy here. Can you talk a little bit about what the investment looks like? And then of course, I understand this is all done for you, but I'm assuming there's still a little bit of time that has to go into it. So what is yeah, the time yeah. and the investment to make this work? Absolutely. So our, we've invested in tiers based on the actual net profit split that you'd be receiving of, of your store monthly. Uh, essentially, we would bill monthly on that. And I'll sort of talk about these, these, these different levels. Essentially, you can start as low as $20,000, which would get you 50% of all the net profits of your business. Net. When I say net, I mean true net. All associated costs that happen. What did you actually make after spending money on product that month? And that difference is going to be your net. So 50% of that you would keep. Upwards to $40,000, which is 70% to the client, 30% to us. We actually are in the middle of rolling out a lower entry point, um, which essentially is a, um, a lower tiered entry point as low as $15,000 for client, for people who are interested so they can get their foot in the door and start growing this asset earlier if they might not have um, all the money up front. We have a lot of real, you, you mentioned real estate invest, real estate investors. That is a huge part of our, our client base. You know, we have about 400 clients. I'd say 15% of them, 20% of them have some experience in real estate because there's a lot of parallels that, that line up with how we do things and how this business, business is in the digital world. In terms of work, and what's actually needed from the client. Yes, the first couple of weeks, 
your basic housekeeping items, filling out some forms, giving us some, some proper information, doing the initial Amazon application, which we guide you through, but you're the owner of the business. So Amazon has to approve you as an individual. One thing they do do is do identity verification, make sure you're not someone from not the United States or maybe just a robot trying to just duplicate stores or whatever it may be. They verify you the first week and then you fill out your working capital and certain, certain forms that we have. Once that launches, the only job that is needed from the act, the only thing that's actually needed from the investor is really, it's, it's monitoring based on being the financial driver. So you can make decisions throughout the partnership of maybe you're opening up more credit lines for, um, to funnel more capital into the actual business, or you want to, you know, you have a new business credit card that you want to leverage on your business, which we can talk to a little bit after this, the benefits of that aspect on top of revenue that can drive, but it's maybe 10 minutes a week of just checking in on things. You can communicate with our team always, but once things are moving after the first month, honestly, you sit back and, and the goal is really to pay your bills, pay your bills that we chart, you know, we essentially have an invoice once a business starts making money, you know, it's just a couple of admin things, but at the end of the day, we pick the products, we source the products, we handle everything associated with leading up to that product getting sold, customer service, honestly, 99.9% of the business is handled by us. So that's why you're paying this so you can leverage us and our entire team to do this on behalf of you. And then what kind of a return can people expect? I know things fluctuate. I know markets fluctuate, yeah. but so far you've been very successful and your clients have been very successful. So can you talk just a little bit about what kind of expectations yeah. are there? You know, it's, it's, it's very important in this business because there's a lot of, I wouldn't even call them competitor providers, but there are providers in the space that on the surface, if you don't know this industry, it might seem like they're offering something similar, but most of the time they're not. And they make these big promises of making all this money in the first month, all this money in the first 60 days. That's a huge red flag. Uh, this is a real business we're building for you. This isn't some kind of get, make a lot of money quickly and then you know have it get suspended or terminated by Amazon because you're breaking rules. We're building out a long-term business that's actually going to be sellable down the line. And so we, we can't stress enough in terms of, you know, what the timeline looks like. So your first three months are building block, a building block stage. You know, we, you'll get your first few sales. Those margins are about 15 to 20 to 30% of the actual spend of working capital towards products. Um, but really about 80% of the revenue in your first year is made the second half of your first, uh, your first 12 months. So month six to 12, because that's when the wheels really start turning and we really start to get traction. And with the way we like to look at it, we do have financial models. We do get requests for that. We have people who are really big on numbers and we provide that. But at the end of the day, we like to underpromise and overdeliver. And we go by benchmarks. Benchmark number one is make your initial investment back. And so our average time frame for that range-wise is, is between 10 and 14 months. So we can just say 12 months until you break even on, let's say you invested 30 grand. You make that 30 grand back 12 to 14 months in. We actually guarantee everyone's investment as well. So if you invest $30,000 and you don't make that back, we will buy back the business for the net difference you did not make. Overall, year two is when things really take flight. And, and talking about how much money you can make, a lot of this is really, you know, like I said, we have some clients that have very deep pockets, some that are just your average American that have savings uh, and have money to invest. And the more what really drives and fuels the business and the success of it is going to be how much working capital you have to pump into the business in terms of product and supplying products. After you've paid your upfront fee to us, 
you can have a $10,000 credit line, you can have a $70,000 credit line. And we also help our clients get to better, you know, better credit lines and expand their business credit because it's better for them overall when they invest in other things. But a client who's got $80,000 in credit lines to put towards product as their business is scaling is obviously going to have a higher a higher net income from this business and someone who's got a $10,000 credit line because you're, you're looking at your 20% margin of, of that spend month over month. So let's go back because I know sometimes numbers can scare people. So it's a, yeah. a 20 <laughs> plus thousand upfront investment. Now yeah. this, this is, and it, what's, there's a monthly cost or no? No, we actually are, are that's a one-time fee, zero renewal, fee, renewal fees, zero software fees, zero anything after that, that goes to us. The only cost to us after that is just the percentage. So that would be 50% of the profits that your store makes. So we obviously are incentivized. We're working around the clock on your business. You're using space in our warehouse. We're using space in our warehouse, our team, our softwares, everything we have comes at a cost, right? So if we don't start performing on your business and getting that percentage of the split, which would be at a 20K program, 50%, at a 40K program would be 30% to us, then obviously we're hemorrhaging money by having you as a client. So we're incentivized. It's a partnership in the sense that we're incentivized to grow your business because success for you means success for us in terms of having you as a client. Okay. So look, 20,000 is not a, I mean, it might sound to some people like a tremendous amount of money, but honestly, you could do a side hustle for six months, even a year and try to find a way to get a $20,000 investment. And then it comes into like you said, this is, this is your business and you're in partnership with your business. So it's not like you're building, you're building somebody else's building yours at the same time. I think that's a very important point to get across to everybody. Yeah. They, they own it outright too. whoever invests. I mean, we might be taking a percentage of the profits while we're managing the business, but if you go around and you sell the business in three years for three to 10 extra monthly revenue, which just to take a couple of steps back, step back we, we actually build these businesses with the mindset of not saying everyone has to sell or wants to sell, but we make sure that it's optimal for selling in terms of the open market. Because there's a whole open market for selling e-commerce businesses that are successful, right? You know, that are done the right way with the right store health, all of that, you know, right revenue, right products, whatever it may be. We make sure that we are implementing the right strategies. So if you ever wanted to exit in three years, you own the business, you make that decision completely up to you. You can sell this and we can help you sell it if you want, but you can sell this on the open market and, and you own that full asset. So again, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a percentage split for us to run it, but it's hands off and infrastructurally, if you want to do this yourself, that would mean getting a warehouse for one business, unless you want to do that in your garage, which no one wants to do, hiring at least five to 10 people, managing around the clock, getting relationships with wholesalers and distributors, which are very hard to get your foot in the door with as a new seller, and getting those discounts. A lot of things that we also do too, which makes it very beneficial to work with a company like ours, specifically because we're a wholesale distributor too, is we actually buy a lot of products in massive bulk, right? So we put the liability on our company. We'll spend, like last month, I remember we put an order in for about $400,000 in toys, for example. And buying from one wholesale wholesaler of those toys, you obviously get volume discounts. You spend a half a million dollars, the products are cheaper per product. And then part of those products, we're not selling the same products in any client store, but client then buys it from us at cost, or we, we use the client's capital to buy directly from us at cost. They're getting the benefits of a volume discount as if they'd spent half a million dollars from one wholesaler, but they're only getting two products. 
you know, maybe for $6,000 for that we know we can flip at a 30% margin. So there's, you know, being, being involved with us and under our umbrella, there are those benefits that, you know, one would have to have, you know, five years in the industry to really get to that point. Uh, so they can have these kind of benefits, both on the financial side, you know, in an infrastructure wise. Yeah. So how long have you been in business? Uh, two and a half years as this is a service. Um, in terms of historically working in this industry, I mean, I had sort of a micro entrepreneurial um, part of Amazon and e-commerce for a while now, you know, seven, eight years, but doing it as a service. And our big thing was, you know, we had success in e-commerce here and there. And I, I used to work with a lot of different technology companies, actually uh, one in Chicago at one point for, you know, for a decade, building out teams and, and looking at strategy, et cetera. But at the end of the day, what we saw is we saw that there was companies doing what we do now, sort of doing what we do now, but ineffectively doing it across the board. Horror stories all over the internet about it, just broken promises, inflated, you know, hyperbole all around about what's possible, what's not. But we knew that there was a decent model in there, just not executed properly across the board. So my business partner and I, you know, we decided we put our heads together and said, hey, we can execute this and refine this process and do this the right way with, you know, do it ethically sound, you know, stand the high moral ground in terms of how we run a company, how you should run a company, because we've done this before in terms of working with clients and knowing how to build operations and stuff like that. And then also infrastructure wise, you know, a lot of these providers out there don't really have their own warehouse. They're sharing a warehouse, the 3PL center, they like, you like to call it th third party logistics that cuts into your margins. You know, they outsource all of their teams. They white label a bunch of stuff and they're still asking for 30 grand, which is unbelievable because at the end of the day, they're not paying, they don't have a real infrastructure. And so we knew that that was a problem everywhere. I said, hey, let's put, let's inject capital into the heart of what makes a business like this run, which is logistics and wholesale distribution. Let's get our own warehouse. Let's source our team from the ground up and be patient with who we're bringing on and make sure we can prove out a real operational model that's sustainable. So our company is all about sustainability when people invest. I think it's an important, very important aspect. And, and yeah, cut two or two and a half years later. I mean, the first year we went really small. We only had about 10 clients. We did that purposely because we wanted to make sure we, we could do what we knew we could do, but we wanted to prove that to ourselves first. And then we went sort of hard with marketing um, after that. And, and now we've grown to where we are today. So, Wow. What a great story. I mean, you, you started right before COVID, <laughs> right? So mm -hmm. uh, a, a time when a lot of people were struggling, but yet Amazon blew up. I would assume your business was the reason why you were able to scale so quickly was due to the fact of this climate. Now, I want to make one thing very clear to anybody watching or listening to this right now, because the beautiful thing about Amazon, unlike Target, Walmart, some of the other ones, is if, if you've noticed, even through this down economy, Amazon's still doing pretty good, right? They still have AWS behind them, which for those of you that don't know, basically Amazon owns most of the internet. Uh, so it's a company that absolutely isn't going anywhere anytime soon, right? Walmart yeah. is going to be a competitor but yet they're still very stuck in their model. And, and I don't think they're ever really going to overtake Amazon by any means. And right now we're seeing retail, the, you know, kind of crumble when it comes to places like Target and Meyer and some of those stores. Yeah. Um, now, so we, we need to talk about some of the potential negatives though, because it is a market, yeah. it is a business, of course. but the fact you've made it two and a half years, you're up to 400 clients. This is a sound business. This is a good investment not financial advice, but this is a good <laughs> solid thing for people. 
but let's talk about some of the things that could happen yeah. or that are happening. So supply chain issues, how does that yeah. impact you and what's happening? Of course, I think the at the end of the day, we're using all wholesale US-based and North American wholesalers, right? There's obviously fuel costs and certain things like that. But at the end of the day, they're going up across the board. So they're not directly affecting our clients in terms of the competitor environment of how we price things with margins. Because when everyone gets affected, then everyone gets affected, right? When it comes down to that. If you look at, if you take it a couple steps back, what you were mentioning on you know, certain things crumbling and, and obviously, you know, given the last couple of years, how unpredictable the world is, right? It's a scary place right now. You just never know what's around the corner kind of thing. I was looking at data the other day about just retail in general, right? And this is a surprising fact, even me, who's been in this industry for a long time, that in terms of e-commerce specifically, out of all retail sales in the U.S., e-commerce is still only about 15% of that, right? So that's, there's a lot of ground to make up, right? And they, not make up, but to, to take a lot of market share on, that e-commerce can take out of that junk. And it's been growing and growing and growing. And yeah, there has been, there was a little bit of inflated time during 2020, which we saw on the graph, but it's still, even with the drop after that in 2021, it's about 2% higher than predicted in general. And that is a very, very good sign to show that the pandemic didn't just, you know, make people shop online during the pandemic. Pandemic, what that did is, is a lot of these clients or customers that shop on walmart.com, on amazon.com, we could use Walmart as example. You know, someone might be picking the kids up from school and they go to Walmart after school to pick up some groceries or whatever it may be. And pandemic happened, so they had to go home, but they know there's walmart.com. Then they get, they never used to shop online. They got used to shopping online. They're comfortable with that, right? Pandemic ended. Now they actually, by choice, drive by Walmart and buy stuff online on walmart.com. That kind of trend has stuck. And so the pandemic has accelerated the inevitable, right? So right. in terms of overall growth, that's why it's such a great market to be in. Yes, let's talk about the specifics of what, you know, the potential risks could be in a business like this. You know, like I said, supply chain, we are not, you know, unless you're doing private label, we don't build any foundational part of your business by sourcing from overseas, unless we're building out a brand or something like that. That's when real supply chain could be an issue, products stuck at ports, whatever it may be, getting dragged out months and months and months. We only have programs to build brands, branded products that we source overseas that augment your store. But the primary, primary focus is essentially US North American wholesaling. Um, so yeah, Q4, that's a time when wholesalers sometimes, like last year, they run low on product inventory. So we do big pushes at the end of the summer. As a distributor, that's where there's a huge benefit here is we can buy this as a company first and then distribute them out to our clients. So they don't have to run into zero inventory when a product's selling really well and then the wholesaler doesn't have it or get backed up. At, on the client side, people might say, hey, if I'm buying product, what if it doesn't sell, right? That's obviously a concern and obviously a risk if you have capital and you're putting capital in this. So I'll dig a little bit, peel back a few more layers into how we source the products and why we source them. Obviously this is extremely data-driven. So we are pulling historical data, predictive data, shopping trends, whatever it may be. You know, obviously I'm not even the expert at this anymore. We have teams that are dedicated specifically to this aspect and we want to mitigate all risk ahead of time before anyone's buying any product to resell, right? That being said, nothing's perfect. So if you're going to run into an issue where a product is actually sitting longer than we expected it to sit, 
right? We have strategies of getting that product sold. You can drop your margins. You can push some PPC ads to it. One thing we stand by is we'll never let any client ever lose money on sitting product. That will always get sold. At worst case scenario, that product will get liquidated out and you'll make no money on it or you make a very small margin on it. But for us, it's under 60 days at most. We shoot for under 30 days when inventory is actually getting, um, getting bought. Another potential thing that people could be concerned about is you know, the actual the investment in general. Like I said, we contractually guarantee your investment. So we are confident in how we do this business and how we run it. At the end of the day, we want to secure your investment in the fact that you don't make that money back. And it's not happened to us yet, knock on wood. I don't think it will. But if it gets to a point for some reason, you did not make your 40 grand back, say you made 30 out of $40,000 back for whatever reason of working capital issues or something might have happened, that time it's, we'll pay you $10,000. So we will, the net that you made, we will buy back the difference, buy back the store for the difference of what, what you have not made back. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on, yes, we are on a third-party platform. So you own the business, you own the store, you own the storefront. Amazon owns the website. So yeah, I don't see Amazon going anywhere. I talk about them owning or them making majority of their revenue from third-party sellers. That's a huge right. statistic and people need to stand by that because they're not going to just cut third-party sellers. That's not going to happen. But they do have control over the platform and they can make whatever rules they like. We are as proactive as possible in terms of knowing what's next with them and being as innovative as possible. And also, let's just say there was apocalypse and Amazon decided to, to shut down their, their system and you had invested with us. That happens. We have other sources of digital passive income streams and other platforms we can sell on. We still will fulfill your ROI on your initial investment. If it means moving you to a Walmart platform, which as you mentioned before, yeah, they're not going to catch up to Amazon, but they've got about 15 to 20% of market share to take up. And they have invested billions into their e-commerce over the last couple of years. So there's someone to watch out for. And our clients are pretty successful on that platform. And then there's a, a bunch of other ones. But at the end of the day, your investment's guaranteed. We understand that that, you know, it's not easy to throw, I mean, for some people, you know, that's it's a lot of money. You know, we still want, I want to mention this, we want people that are, you know, they still need to be somewhat financially comfortable in their investment. You know, this is something that's going to save anyone, but it's going, it's going to supplement and it's going to build right. you. If you, can, if you can invest, this is going to supplement what you have and add to a portfolio or start your portfolio at the end of the day and give you a real asset in, you know, 2022, 2023, that's, you know, it's very important. Digital assets are a huge thing right now. They're emerging. So, Yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, especially right now at a time when people are watching their 401ks drop, they're watching their cryptocurrencies drop that, that they thought they might have had passive ways of investing mm -hmm. and, and they're seeing things dry up. Now, inflation is a big problem right now. Uh, you know, yeah. there's talk of a Great Depression, things like yeah. that. But one thing I want people to understand even on that front is even in the worst, darkest of the Great Depression, if you really look at the market, everything as a whole, that's still really only impacted. And I don't want to marginalize it, but it did only impact kind of 30 percent of the population. So you have to understand 70 percent of the population was still pretty much business as usual. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there was still money being made. There was still wealth being generated. There were still investments that were profitable. Totally. And I couldn't agree more. And at the end of the day, also, we are. For this bit, a lot of this business, eighty percent of it is targeting Amazon Prime members that are willing to pay that one forty, one fifty a year to get access to two day shipping. Uh, which you know, those that pool of customers that would generate revenue for your store generally are affected a little bit less by inflation. And this is obviously there's no exact you know data on this, but I was listening to someone speak in the industry about 
e-commerce and inflation and et cetera. And they made a, an interesting point about, you know, when people are trying to cut costs and, you know, they want to save a little bit of money here, a little bit, then maybe they'll walk, you know, 10 minutes as opposed to drive to the grocery store to save on gas or whatever it may be. It ends up with them a lot of times being home more. And when you're home more, you know, you tend to be on your phone more, on your computer more, and you tend to shop more impulsively. And that's, it's, it's pretty interesting because there's, you know, there's sort of a, it's a weird sort of, you know, paradigm, you know, people are home more to save money. But at the end of the day, if you're not going out of the movie, you're not doing this, you know, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the age we live in these days, impulsive shopping is a huge thing. And people like to shop on Amazon because not only can you get a garden hose, you can get, you know, coffee beans. You can, you can get anything you want in one cart. So that's why people are drawn to that. They like the simplicity of the fact of not having to buy on multiple platforms. And if there's a necessity that they need online, which a lot of the stuff that is actually sold on Amazon is necessity. It's not like we're selling Rolex watches and stuff like that. These are things that people need. They're just not going to the brick and mortar for it, a lot of them. They might, you know, 70% of the cart are things that they need. And then they might throw a few things in there that they want. And all of that is revenue generated on the platform. And that is going to happen recession or no recession. That is part of the way of life these days. So, But I, I, I can't think of a more recession-proof thing than what you're doing in the sense of everything has fundamentally changed in the way that we shop. And you alluded yeah. to that passing by the Walmart to shop. Look, I, even when I grocery shop, I now order it online and go pick it up. The, the last yeah. thing I ever want to do is step foot <laughs> in a brick and mortar store, right? And then yeah. on top of that, now we there's a lot of things I know can be blamed, employee shortages, whatever. But yeah. the experience inside a store has crumbled to the point where it is miserable in every yeah. sense. Right. And yeah. even even if we start the automation process, you always have the guy in front of you that has no clue how to scan his stuff. The self-checkout. Yeah. <laughs> they don't work properly. You've got the one guy that's barely qualified to be there to help you. And it's just a horrible experience. So uh, online takes care of that. So, yeah, I highly recommend what you're doing to folks. Uh, I'm going to link up everything that you're doing. We'll share that all over the interwebs as well. Dude, this was good, man. I, I I think, like I said, this is something of massive value to people, especially going into what I think is going to be a hard couple of years for a lot of people. We're going to see a lot of paradigm shifts happen. Yeah, no, we are. Absolutely. And it's, it's been great chatting with you. But I, I think also, you know, if, if if I jump back on sometime in the future, you know, we can peel back a little more layers and in terms of where things are at in the state of affairs at that point and, and talk about some of the more complexities of what we do that I think are pretty interesting. And also what's the future of e-commerce? Like I said, Walmart is sort of is, is hanging around there. They're, they're chipping away. And there's a lot of cool things like digital products. Like as a company, we're always looking at not just what's happening right now, but how can we bring value to our clients down the line and make sure that we're leading the charge on whatever might be the next revenue generating aspect of this business in this ecosystem. So um, yeah. Well, we'll do that, man. We'll have a follow-up episode and, and and we'll go even deeper. This this has been good, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
amplified. Ah. Prosperity.